You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Here on a Sunday afternoon, I put the request in uh, last night whether we could do a, an earlier pod. We've both got football games we want to watch this afternoon. Uh, hopefully, by the time people listen to this, Frank and I will both be still happy that our football teams are still alive, but... Uh, I don't know. It's a big day. It's a big sports day. Yeah, and I, I feel like Kane. I feel like uh, you would like if if wins were handed out by the football gods based on who in, would enjoy it more. I feel like your Texans would would win and my Packers would lose just because I feel like you're more into the Texans than I am the Packers, which is kind of funny, of course, because you're an Australian guy and I'm actually from Wisconsin, but living um, in Texas, <laughs> living living in yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, uh, but I mean, and I have to, I mean, my, my in-laws have Texan season tickets in Houston. So I, the Texans, I guess, technically are my second favorite team. So I am rooting for oh. them. Um, although, and then if, if, if the Chiefs win and the Packers lose and I'll, I'll cheer for the Chiefs. So I'm going to put the Chiefs third in my, uh, in my, my pecking order, which is weird because the Titans are a great story, but I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like the Titans luck has to run out at some point here. Um, and I feel like the Niners are odds on favorites. Um, at this point, right? Like they kind of have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm out in the Niners. I will say though. Uh, so I've got really one of my best friends back home. Uh, Justin is a big Packers fan, and so I like automatically, you know, as most people do with their friends, like get some sort of enjoyment out of uh, his misery with his sports teams. But uh, and and I don't know whether he listens to the podcast, but I will say if the Texans lose, which I kind of feel like they will today then uh, I'm all in on the Packers. Uh, I, it's, it's obviously fun to be here and, and everyone get into that. So I'm hoping the Packers do win. Uh, but I don't know. It's going to be a big day. It's going to be fun. But we should, we should talk Bucks. We've done a great job recently, by the way, of not spending the first 10 minutes just bullshitting about everything but <laughs> the Bucks. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a big day. And, it's, and everyone, let's be honest, uh, I was out last night. I watched a game with uh, Prateek Patel, the Bucks game against uh, Portland. And everyone's out wearing Packers gear. This is this what time of year it is. So it was worth it was worth mentioning. But kind of a, a shaky road trip in many ways. Or well, certainly started off a little bit shaky. But in the end, uh, this is something we've sort of got used to now over the last two seasons. The Bucks are able to still pull out a three one, uh, three and one Western road trip. Uh, they since the last time we spoke, they beat the Kings one twenty seven one oh six. There was some interesting things to take out of that game. And then last night. I mean, last night, if you're a Bucks fan uh, against Portland, they beat the Blazers 122-101. And this was like the ultimate uh, enjoyment factor game <laughs> as far as the Bucks' best players just playing at an unbelievably high level. Obviously, Portland, not exactly a stout defense. 
but 91 points between Giannis, Bledsoe, and Middleton was incredibly fun to watch. I don't know where you want to start. I was thinking maybe we can start with Bledsoe because he deserves some, some, uh, some credit for the way he's been playing lately. And both of these games, uh, he was huge. Yeah, I mean, he was great against the Spurs in Milwaukee. Had the big drop-off, unfortunately, uh, in that loss in San Antonio where he just wasn't really involved, um, mm-hmm. specifically getting to the rim. I think he was like 2 out of 5 from 3 and 0 for 2 on 2s in that game. Um, but, you know, it, it's funny because coming into this weekend, um, you know, the, the Warriors game was about as unimpressive as a nine-point win can feel if you're if you're a Bucks fan, probably right. just because obviously the Warriors have been horrendous, still missing basically everybody with Draymond out of their like you know kind of you know key star players, um, and so you know you come into this weekend with a back-to-back. Obviously, Giannis has been on the injury report with the back stuff for a while now. hasn't necessarily seemed like himself, um, and Friday night. Uh, you know, that game starts off looking really encouraging and then kind of swings back the other way. Sacramento makes a big run. Giannis is not looking like himself. Um, but Eric Bledsoe was huge uh, in that game on Friday. He comes back, was probably even better uh, on Saturday. Um, had a really hot start on Friday night uh, and uh, then had a really, I'd say, strong finish uh, in Portland as the Bucks just kind of just, I don't, you know, not that it was ever, like, really in doubt in Portland. I mean, the Bucks kind of, I'd say, put their stamp on it and were kind of dictating the game for, for very long periods of, of that game, obviously. But in the second half, just blood. So, um, you know, he was just really fun to watch the way he was using that shoulder um, mm. to, you know, he's got the speed. But then I tweeted last night, I mean, I think upper upper body strength is often overrated, especially for big guys. But, like, with blood, so – um, you know, it's kind of like a little bit like as well with Brogdon I and mean, Bledsoe is more kind of pure explosive than obviously Brogdon is or was. Um, but both those guys, like they get even with you. Um, you know, if a guy is their, their height or smaller, um, th- they're just so strong up top that they can just muscle you. Right. And, and Bledsoe is obviously also kind of has other little moves where he'll like slow himself down and kind of, you know, sometimes uh, throw a little chicken wing out there and push off and sometimes get called. Um, but like last night, you know, Damian Lillard, there was that N one play in the first half where Lillard thought that, uh, you know, he was complaining about Bledsoe like throwing an elbow yeah. or something, and you watch the replay, and it's just now Bledsoe just drove to the hoop and went up, and Lillard literally just caught the top of Bledsoe's shoulder, and you know, if you're a anything close to a normal sized human, you do not want to catch Eric Bledsoe's shoulder because. It is very large and strong, and, uh, you know, again, I thought that was sort of emblematic of last night's game where, you know, Lillard hit some shots, hit some really deep threes, uh, gave the Bucks some, at least something to think about on pick-and-roll coverage, but, uh, you know, overall, Bledsoe, I'd say, played Lillard at least even, and ultimately, I think, outplayed him just with his efficiency on the night, and obviously, you know, when Bledsoe's out there um, making threes and just looking comfortable, uh, he's a heck of a player. And, uh, you know, again, I think you just look at his numbers. They're not going to overwhelm you just in part because he's only playing 26 minutes a game, but he's right at his season scoring average from a year ago. And, you know, the shooting percent three point percentage is up near 36%. He's over 83% on free throws. Um, you know, he's just looking like exactly the guy that we were hoping to see coming into this season. 
Yeah, he's playing with a lot of confidence. The 26 minutes is incredible because last year, 29.1 minutes per game. And you really probably wondered, I mean, how, how much can that drop? And I think a lot of this has been, uh, well, first of all, we know that Bud goes deep with the rotation, but also the level of play that George Hill has been at and guys like Dante at times sort of running sort of funny lineups without the, the traditional point guard. But the other point with Bledsoe, I mean, I always think he's at his best, and we, we spoke a lot about this, as, as you just sort of pointed to, the physicality and ability to uh, get to the rim and just bully people out of the way. But he's outside shooting. I think now um, it, it, it's promising. Uh, I'll say that. He, he's up to uh, 35.5% from three, which is a pretty good number for him. He was down at 32 uh, last season, and he was around 34 uh, around that mark in, in his first season with the Bucks, or first you know three quarter season with the Bucks. But the interesting thing for mine is the fact that his three point attempts are down, and I, I think that uh, when we all thought of Bledsoe, if you yeah right back to when he first came to Milwaukee, the interesting thing about him was that uh, his shot selection was not great, and he was prone to to jacking up bad shots, and a lot of them came in the mid range. But we've seen it at times with the uh, with the three-point shot at times where he's not, he's not a knockdown shooter from the outside, but he has uh, sort of had that tendency of, of taking quick shots. But he seems to have somewhat narrowed that shot selection down to shots that work for him. Last season, uh, he was actually 43% on pull-ups. He only took 51 uh, of those uh, during the regular season. This year, he's up to 47% uh, on pull-up threes at the moment. And uh, again, he's not shooting a lot of them. That's obviously a, a good a good shot for him, and and he's proven that that is is if you want him shooting threes, that's probably the one that you want him to take. Uh, he's still knocking those down. An interesting number that I just tweeted out that I looked at was just like completely random. It's such a small sample size, but sixty percent on step back threes, and and that made me laugh because uh, thinking about that that buzzer beating uh, shot clock three that he had last week or the week before, whatever it was. So that. Uh, 60% from three on step backs is over the course of the the entire bud sort of era in Milwaukee. But uh, it's weird because outside of that, he, other variations of, of the three, he's he's under under 30%. So <laughs> a good pull-up shooter. And also that does make some sense because when you think about the, the mid-range shots that he often takes, it's when he sort of does get a defender uh, backing up and he pulls up for that little mid-range shot, which again has been a, a decent shot for him. So I think shot selection is much improved He's shooting. He does look confident. And I know we pointed to the, the article from Eric, uh, our friend Eric, a, a couple of weeks ago, obviously doing a lot of work with Ben Sullivan and also Kyle Corver playing a bit of a factor there. But uh, if he still remains around that 35 36% mark from three, that's, uh, that's a big jump for a guy that you wondered at, at his age, was he really going to uh, see any improvement in his shooting at this point? So far this season, he's been pretty good. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at home cycling experience at less than half the price of Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, but mums and dads, first responders and elite athletes whatever your activity level may be. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym again. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, we'll give you your money back. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. 
Buy an Echelon bike today for under a thousand bucks. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. So um, the story that Eric wrote um, about how the Bucks are giving Bledsoe's jump shot and assist. Um, the, uh, the, the, let me just read this quote off because I thought it was really interesting. And this is, I, I tweeted this out. Um, like I, to me, this article is like one of those, this is why you subscribe to the athletic type articles. I, I think Eric did a great job of, you know, kind of double clicking to a level that, you know, again, you're just, I mean, even, even me being a super obviously hardcore Bucks fan, like, I don't know about this stuff because I'm not at the practices. Right. Um, and you know, it's just talking about how, you know, guys, guys sit around on this ledge, I guess, between the the weight room and the the practice court. It's all sort of connected and they just talk about shooting and Cal Corver does this a lot. And Bledsoe related this really interesting story here. I'll just read it off. In the past, I used to keep a little gap in between. He told me to put my whole palm on it and damn near grip it and shoot it. And it works because you can control the ball. My free throws have gotten so much better than last year. He told me how I shoot layups is how I should shoot threes. And that's by putting my whole hand on the ball. So this is basically Bledsoe relating just some advice he got from Kyle Korver. And, you know, I'm always like skeptical of kind of this like shooting by osmosis type type thing. Like, you know, I mean, look, Giannis has played with good three-point shooters previously, maybe not a Kyle Korver level guy, but I mean, they've had good three-point shooters on the team. I mean, Chris Middleton's been a 40% free throw shooter you know, most years of his career spent with Giannis. And, you know, there's never been anything rubbing off there, you know, per, per se. Um, but it has been interesting how we've seen now kind of, I think, multiple instances of Corver, of, you know, some pretty direct evidence of Corver actually seeming to help guys. And again, that's a very, like, I think the, the, the discussion there is a very, like, kind of like a very clear tip. Um, I think with Giannis, it seems like it's been more of a just, mindset type thing um and and again i think it's probably hard as well for like you know i mean cal corver is a, a very large human being he's six seven um but i think for anybody to tell Giannis how to shoot is probably hard just because like his proportions are so bizarre compared yeah, to yeah. any, it's, any I mean, normal it's, person <laughs> yeah i mean just his hand size all this other stuff um I, i'd love to somebody here if somebody wants to do the math and figure out like what is the analog of Giannis holding a basketball to like a normal person? I would love to know that just because, you know, anybody who's shot with like a small basketball, like a mini basketball or something like that, it's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of different. You know, there is something about shooting a ball that's kind of larger than your, you know, it's kind of like feels big that that can be easier. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's been fun seeing blood. So play with confidence and um, you know, his free throws, it's, it's kind of weird. Like last year I felt like he missed a lot of free throws long, like, you know, it's, I, I sometimes joke about this, that, you know, sometimes guys seem like they're bad for their percentage, if that makes sense. Like Bledsoe last year was 75%, but he felt like a bad 75% free throw shooter. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like if, if I didn't know that, I would say he's like a 65% free throw shooter. This year, he's at, as we said, up over 83%. He's shooting more free throws, which is encouraging, right, that his free throw rate has gone up. Um, and uh, and he's he's making them. And, and just the way they're like going through the net, just it just looks yeah. good. Yeah. You know, yeah. And and I think early in the season he talked a little bit about putting more arc on the ball. 
Um, but it's, uh, it's, Hey, whatever, whatever you need to do, um, it's been working, it's been consistent. And obviously, uh, now if any of that, you know, those magic beans can be passed along to Giannis in that department, that would, uh, that would be really nice as well. So yeah, big credit to Bledsoe. And again, you know, just him coming back from that injury and, you know, looking the way he's looking right now is, is big. And, um, I feel like if we're talking to talk about Bledsoe, we probably need to talk about Chris Middleton as well. Cause you know, especially in the context of those weekend games, I mean, he also was terrific in that back to back. Yeah. Milton again. I mean, I, I, I commented on it last night, but he, he just by far, like since he's come back from injury, this is a guy that's just completely comfortable <laughs> out in the floor. Like, everything he's doing, it just looks pure and he looks relaxed. Uh, he's not forcing anything at all, which at times he has done over his career with the, with the turnovers and that sort of stuff. Sometimes bad shots, although uh, he is a guy that is a tough shot maker. And uh, uh, we've seen him in the mid-range from three, four for four from deep last night. Uh, again, it, when you go back to that Kings game, uh, where you sort of already mentioned, we know Giannis has struggled a little bit of season low, 13 points. It was Chris Milton, uh, along with Bledsoe, but Chris with nine, nine for 12 from the field. He interestingly only took... Uh, two three-point attempts in that game, but he was able to get to the rack a couple of times. We've already spoke during the course of the season of his improved uh, percentage shooting uh, at the rim this year. He looks really comfortable in there. Also picked up 11 boards and four assists, and his assist numbers have been pretty good uh, so far this season, uh, certainly trending at a a career-high uh, Mark, you know, per 36, obviously the minutes affected a little bit. And then last night, another 11 for 17 shooting night, 30 points. Uh, I think now, what is it, uh, nine times or something? Nine or, or 10 times in the last 13, 14 games, he's, he's scored 20-plus points. I don't think it's even debatable at this time that he's playing the best basketball uh, he's played in his career. And I just wanted to – one final point on the, on the shooting stuff. It was interesting when you, when you mentioned the guy like Middleton and he's played with Giannis for a long time as a, as a really good shooter. I thought the other point, um, you know, when relating to Kyle Korver was the fact that Korver – talks about this and, and he talks about the fact that he also learns a lot from from bad shooters and what not to do and I think the interesting thing about Corver that we're, we're finding out this season from talking about obviously articles like the one um, from Eric is the fact that you can be a really good shooter and you can know what you do well but not everyone is a good teacher or a good uh, coach or good at explaining these types of things and I think that seems like the biggest benefit it's not just like okay spend some time with Kyle Corver or, or any other good shooter and you'll figure it out uh, he seems like he, he certainly has a, has a future in coaching, and I think that that's the big thing. But, uh, yeah, Middleton, uh, I mean, he's, you, if you had any concerns about him uh, playing as well as he did last year, first-time All-Star, signing the big deal and coming back and taking a step back, well, I mean, he's only gotten better. Yeah, I'm... I'm- you know, really crossing my fingers that, that he gets that second all-star berth this year. I mean, I think, you know, you, you look yeah. at just, again, like like Giannis and Bledsoe, his minutes are, are down this year, which it, it is crazy that you lose Malcolm Brogdon, who obviously <laughs> played a really key role in being, you know, that, that complimentary scorer um, behind uh, Giannis and Chris. And, and you know, he, Malcolm was pretty much even with Bledsoe in terms of like points per game last year. And obviously playing a lot of point guard with second units. And so the fact that you play Bledsoe fewer minutes this year with, with the Malcolm Brogdon sized hole in the lineup is, is pretty remarkable. And as you were saying, I mean, it, it speaks to 
how well George Hill has played, it speaks to how well Dante DiVincenzo has played, that they don't need to play blood so huge minutes, right? And I think especially for him, given um, you know, his his injury history before Milwaukee, um, you know, the fact that they've been able to kind of manage him and not have to kind of put him in the red um is is really big. And and with Chris, I mean, you know, again, obviously he doesn't have the same injury history like with, you know, bad knees, things like that, um, that have, you know, really kept him out of seasons or things like that. But um but for Chris to obviously, you know, you're essentially kind of managing his load in season um after coming back from uh the injury that that cost him a couple weeks. Uh you know, I think it's it's you know again you just cross your fingers that nothing else comes up because um certainly it's it's a nice combination, right? I mean he missed a couple weeks. Bucks win all their games while he's out. Uh you know obviously you don't want to have an injury but um you know again that's 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 time that you know you're not putting other wear on your body and you know the fact that he's playing 29 minutes a game uh, you can't look at him and say, oh, he's he's not going to be, you know, fresh, right? You're, you're running him too hard right now. Um, you know, the Bucks, 35 and 6. They were 29 and 12 at the midway point a year ago. Uh, and I mentioned it last night. If people are curious, the Warriors, when they won 73 games, were 37 and 4 at the midway mark. And they didn't they, – they lost their sixth game uh, when they were – had 62 wins sorry they were 62 <laughs> and six at one point and then they lost uh that next game to go to 62 and seven so um yeah I mean the bar is extremely high I, I don't I don't really think much about you know the Bucks and whether they can win 70 games or 73 games or 74 games um but it's it, let's just say this it bodes very well that you know you're doing all this without having to put a lot of mileage on your key guys and obviously that was one of the critiques uh, you know, the kind of Monday morning quarterbacking after that season ended in a seven game loss in the finals to LeBron was, well, did they, you know, were they too focused on trying to get those 73 wins? Should they have taken it easier in the regular season? And, you know, I think with the Bucks, again, it's so hard to win 70 games that I still wouldn't bet on it. Um, but, you know, again, they're, they're not really running anybody hard. I mean, this is the, the lightest load that, that any of the Bucks best players have, based since they became you know the kind of types of players that they are so um it's really encouraging and you know with Middleton again like his numbers being obviously the second guy on the best team in the league I mean again I think it's a really strong case um but again you just worry does he get caught in some kind of numbers game um in the east because there are there are a lot of deserving guys I mean we often kind of joke about the east not you know being being weaker and not having the star power et cetera, et cetera, but uh, certainly the East is, is stronger than it's ever been, uh, certainly in recent memory this year. Uh, I think last time I saw him, it was a couple of weeks ago, they had a winning record against the West, which hadn't happened in a while. Um, and so the competition is definitely higher. And um, there's going to be some interesting debates. We'll see kind of what happens. But um, certainly Chris has, has done nothing um, that, you know, has done everything you could have hoped in terms far as, you know, justifying a, a second All-Star berth. And that's pretty fun. But um, I don't know anything else on that before we, we probably need to talk about Giannis. Oh yeah. That guy um, <laughs> who had maybe the most, uh, I don't know, maybe the most newsworthy weekend in some respects. Um, but I'm, I'm happy we started with Chris and Blood because I think they had just terrific, a terrific 48 hour, 24 hours roughly in that back to back. But um, anything else before we move on to Giannis? 
Yeah, so just to, just for reference, because you uh, first of all, that your tweet last night uh, made me laugh a lot. When I just to think about the Warriors was sixty two and six was that was sixty two and six. I mean, that's just yeah. absolutely absurd. But when you look at this team, just because we've spent a bit of time here talking about the minutes, so uh, that Warriors team, uh, Draymond Green played eighty one games that season, uh, just a, a touch under thirty five minutes a night. Uh, Clay played 80 games at 33.3 minutes and Steph 79 at 34.2. So, you know, I mean, there is, you know, that's not a, a huge jump over some of these guys, but the, but the Bucks starters or their best players are, are consistently playing under 30 minutes a night. And uh, so uh, they're certainly probably getting more rest in that Warriors team. Clearly, uh, none of the, those guys, whether it's Giannis, Chris, or Bled, are going to get anywhere close to the, the 79 games uh, that Steph was on the lower end of those three uh, that season. They've already, I mean, Chris and Bled are already ruled out uh, from that. So it's just interesting to compare that. But I wouldn't think that 73 wins is on the cards. But uh, not that anyone needs reminding. Remember, this Bucks team started 2-2, two and two, <laughs> which is, is the, the crazy thing about it. So they've just, uh, what, 33-4 and four since then. Uh, not too bad at all. But uh, just on Giannis, uh, I know we both sort of speculated, along with everyone else, after watching Giannis uh, against the Kings, such a strange performance for, for him. We don't really know how much the back is bothering him. Bud and Giannis, no one is giving anything away. So, uh, you know, we, we can ask those guys all day long how Giannis is feeling and he's just going to say, yeah, I'm good and I'm fine. It's not a big deal. Bud's going to do the same. But to me, that, that clearly looked like he was bothered. But also at the same time, I think sometimes we just get used to him being so dominant that when he has a bad night or, or a strange couple of games where he isn't his usual self, you're like, well, there must be a reason for that. I mean, like Giannis just does this every night. So what's wrong? How much is the back bothering him? When we start to sort of uh, panic about his health. Well, uh, I, I tweeted that he might go uh, either not play against Portland or go for a 40-point uh, triple-double. Uh, he finished with 30, uh, so what do you have? 32 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists in 28 minutes. So uh, he was well on his way. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it's... It's a different injury this year. The back uh, is the thing that's been showing up on the injury report. And, you know, we it, it's not – I don't think it's just paranoia, right? I mean, there was, you know, of course, the him during the warm-up uh, clearly Christmas, saying yeah. my back uh, on Christmas, you know, referring to that, bothering him. Um, you know, I think we've uh, – I forget what game it was, but we saw him. You know, he came down on a dunk and immediately gestured towards um, the bench for, mm-hmm. for uh, some help and looked like he was favoring – maybe the back a little bit, um, you know, so there's just been kind of like a number of instances where it seemed like it, it is bothering him a little bit. And it's kind of gotten to the point, you know, where like in the Sacramento game, it, it almost seems like Bud doesn't want to play him more than six minutes in one go. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of one of these things that you just, obviously main thing is you're just worried about Giannis's health and, and, you know, we're, we're on the outside. We don't know what he's telling the training staff um, or what, you know, really is happening, but you know, I mean, he's on the injury report regularly. Curiously, uh, he was on the injury report Friday, doesn't look good. And then Saturday is not on the injury report at all. And it was almost like, you know, you can't accuse, um, you know, Eric, Eric asked about it and got kind of the, um, I don't want to say necessarily a blow off answer from Bud. I, I retweeted Eric's, uh, the, the, the quote from, from Bud, 
Um, but it was basically, you know, it's just kind of as usual stuff, like, you know, whatever, kind of just leave me alone type, 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 type response. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's kind of reminds us a little bit of, of like last year, year before, you know, but it was the knee, the right knee that kind of would pop up on the injury report. It'd be right knee soreness. You'd miss games. You'd get rested sometimes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, I think we can remember, right. I mean, he would have games where it just seemed like he wasn't as explosive. Like he just seemed like not quite himself. Um, and again, it's, I mean, this also just speaks to kind of what it's like to be an NBA player. Like you just don't have your kind of peak ability every night. Um, and I think this road trip's been interesting because, you know, these last two nights, um, you know, the Kings, I mean, partly by, by necessity, because both these teams have been dealing with injuries I and mean, the Blazers have like lost all of their big men, essentially. Uh, we've seen tons of small ball lineups. And on the one hand, you might say, oh, that, that would lend itself towards Giannis just kind of going to town. Um, I think a lot of times small ball lineups can actually frustrate Giannis because you've got more guys who can get back on defense easily because they're, you know, smaller, quicker guys. And they, you know, a lot of, in a lot of ways can build the wall you know, more effectively in a lot of instances and kind of force Giannis to be more of a playmaker. And, you know, we saw it against Golden State as well. Like they, obviously it's not like, you know, they have Rudy Gobert sitting back there, Joel Embiid sitting back there protecting the rim. Um, But they did a pretty good job just being disciplined, getting back uh, and forcing Giannis to make, you know, other guys beat, beat them. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's one positive thing here of these last couple of games. I think Giannis has done a nice job with his playmaking distribution, not forcing things necessarily. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, last night in Portland, um, it was kind of the, you know, the opposite of, of Friday and just the fact that um, he just kind of got, got things going early. Um, didn't necessarily have like a bunch of like super explosive plays. Like he had some of his usual Euro steps kind of layups those um and then i thought that in this i was in the third quarter um george hill it was a george i think it might have been george hill or i can't remember if it was george or Bledsoe, but somebody got him on a pocket pass going down the lane and you know he went through a couple guys and dunked and um it felt a little cathartic you know yeah. uh to get him to mario hisonia was in the vicinity so you <laughs> felt like anytime hisonia was on the floor Giannis's eyes turned the size of softballs and he was just going to try to attack at, 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 at every occasion. Um, but, you know, Giannis did have some explosive plays. And I think the other thing I, I thought was interesting was, you know, he has 13 points in the first quarter in like, what was it, six minutes or something like that. Um, so he gets up to the really fast start, hits a jump shot early, hits a three, um, gets a couple of layups, gets like a putback, um, had that nice seal and dunk. Uh, and then in the second quarter, uh, he he scores again um, to get uh, to to 21 points, um, and I think that was like roughly like a 10 minute stretch he played in a row, um, which as I was saying earlier, I mean we have not been seeing him play that long. And last year, Bud Bud really avoided trying to ever play him like a full quarter, you know, even in fourth quarters. But if he started the fourth quarter, he would always give him like a two minute blow, trying to get him some rest midway through the fourth. So even in close games. So, I mean, that that's not atypical that Giannis doesn't go full quarters. It seems like that's just generally kind of what Bud thinks is best for him. Um, but, you know, even 10 minutes had been kind of a long slog. And, and you could tell he was tired by the end of it. Um, but it was encouraging. He, he finished it with a, a layup on a, on a George Hill pick and roll. Uh, and, you know, again, just, just kind of one of those things. It's, we're in the dog days of the NBA calendar. And, you know, we're what whatever it is, about a month from the All-Star break. So, um, you know, 
there's a lot going on that week for somebody like Giannis, but at least he's not obviously playing much uh, other than, than one game. And, um, you know, interestingly with this Paris game coming up uh, later in January, there's also, again, it's, it's, you know, I hesitate to say that getting on a plane and flying across the world is, is good rest for your back. Cause I, I, you can certainly argue it's not. Um, but as far as, you know, extending himself, exerting himself in games, um, you know, they have like, I don't know what it is, like two games in nine days or some, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those things, if, if you wanted to stack, uh, you know, rest days on top, you know, I think they have a game against the Bulls at home before they go to Paris. And so you could actually get a pretty extended rest um, if you just rested Giannis uh, in that game. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that Giannis is not going to rest uh, against the Hornets in, in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although that would be the ultimate load management flex if oh, uh, the Bucks chose to uh, to do that. But um, either way, the, you know, that, that, that one might just piss the league off a little bit if yeah, Giannis rests that one. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, it's uh, obviously just nice to see Giannis, um, you know, just kind of doing Giannis stuff, right? Um, and, and again, uh, you know, the fact that, he plays it back to back and you know on that second night was really good which um you know again not that Giannis is necessarily history of being bad on on back to backs um I mean the Bucks have been tremendous they're I think 7-0 on the front end of of uh of back to backs and 7-0 on the back end uh this season so they have not had any issues which again maybe that's because they are generally not playing their guys tons of minutes and you know they they kind of rest guys but uh but yeah you know nice to cap off a a weekend and a road trip with Giannis uh, looking much more like the Giannis we're accustomed to. Yeah, one thing to watch with Giannis this week, um, again, we've spoke about this a lot, like stuff like the the back-to-back there against two um, not great teams. You're like, okay, this seems like an obvious candidate uh, for him to miss. Uh, but we've we've seen this year that we've been proven wrong many times when we sort of predicted that he might miss a game. But uh, upcoming Tuesday night uh, against the Knicks, and then they don't play again until Thursday, which... Yeah, for the Bucs, it's been a, a kind of uncommon that they get uh, a couple of days off at, at any stretch. And uh, so maybe uh, the Knicks game is is one that they feel like they can get away with him not playing. I'm not sure. We'll see. It, does, it still doesn't seem at this point, and this is why uh, I'm not overly concerned about the back at this point, is that I, I don't think that this, this medical staff has shown any, uh, and coaching staff has shown any want to play guys that that have legitimate injury concerns. It just generally seems like it could be a day to day thing, and maybe one, some days he wakes up feeling worse than others. It's not the best thing to have for a big guy and a guy that's as, as explosive as Giannis uh, having a sore back. Uh, but just on the on the game load that the Bucks have been taking on, when you look at the standings, uh, the Bucks have now played. Uh, 41 games. They've opened up a six and a half game gap now to the second seed Miami Heat. Teams like Boston have been losing of late. Uh, they had a three game losing streak recently. The Sixers now 25 and 15, and they're seven and 13 on the road. Uh, Joel Embiid is is going to be out for what you what you're hearing from guys that have had similar injuries. He could be out for six weeks. I mean, this could be a, a legitimate uh, stretch without Embiid. It's going to be interesting to see how the Sixers manage there. Uh, yeah, and as I said, 25-15, on the road is just a really bad record. But the 41 games for the Bucks, the Heat have only played 38, the Celtics have only played 37, and the Raptors 38. And this is all because of this Europe trip. And I was talking to one of the, the Bucks trainers a couple of weeks ago just about how they've, they've managed this. And, and he said, yeah, I mean, we haven't practiced hardly at all, uh, mostly because we haven't had many days off. Uh, but they understand that they've, they've 
played more games than than any other team in in the whole league, and that's to to cater for the day, the the sort of the stretch they're going to have off through this trip. So that has also been a big consideration with with the minutes for this team, just the amount of games that they've been playing, and uh, they've been super cautious with all the guys to make sure that they're getting uh, the the rest that they need because uh, you know while this is a a, a great you know, a trip for the league and, and a big sort of, uh, uh, you know, marquee game for, for them in, in Europe. Uh, it does put a lot of pressure on, on these guys that, that, are, that are starting the season, which is such a grind with such a heavy load. So I think that that has also been a, a major factor for the Bucks. But before we wrap this up, I, th- I think we should at least mention Dante DiVincenzo because yeah. we talk about all the stuff that, that he does, uh, not necessarily that shows up on on the box score. Uh, I tweeted some numbers out the other day about his three-point struggles. It started you know, pretty well in November and then has just been on a, on a downward spiral from there, under 30%. Six for 11 from deep. And uh, with all the other things that he does, we've spoken about his quick trigger a lot. Not shy at all. <laughs> but when he's hitting those threes... He looks like it. Like this is this is a real player in the league. I mean, he looks like a guy that's always going to be a role player just because of the things that he does that add up to winning. But man, if he ever like it becomes an above average three point shooter, like this guy, this guy could be really good. I mean, he shoots with confidence, and I, I mean, I like his stroke. Right? I think sometimes he um, he's so aggressive with it that I think sometimes his mechanics are not yeah. as consistent as probably you need them to be to to shoot at a higher level. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looked terrific this weekend. You know, I mean, we're used to the chaos he creates defensively. Um, that you know, both these teams, there was a lot of small ball played this weekend, um, and I mean, we could probably spend you know a lot longer just talking about some of the lineup variations that we saw. Uh, I thought this weekend was really good, just to give force the Bucks to deal with some small ball lineups. You know, lineups where maybe there isn't somebody for Brook Lopez to guard. Um, you know, I I tweeted about it. I think. Ursan Eliasova had a really rough road trip. I think there were just a lot of games. I mean, we talked about the Spurs game where he was getting toasted by Rudy Gay. These last two nights, you know, again, when other teams go really, really small, I mean, I don't want Ursan playing center against, like, Carmelo Anthony. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. that's just not – it's just not a good place to be. Um, and, you know, he's, he's his shot has also kind of been failing in these last couple of games. Um, so – you know, sort of what things. I mean, it's it's interestingly these last couple of games you lose, you win by twenty plus, and obviously the story is the big three. Um, you know, Giannis not so much on on Friday, um, but Dante playing really well. But other than that, I mean, you think about the role players. Sterling was terrific. I mean, yeah, Sterling Brown, yeah. he's the other guy I think we really want to highlight. I mean, you know, he's been obviously in Bud's doghouse. Um, you know, Sterling, I think. Uh, you know, one of those guys probably has um, his opinions that sometimes um, maybe his coaches don't appreciate as much. Um, and he's a guy, though, that, uh, you know, has had ups and a lot of them, probably more downs than we've hoped this season. But, uh, you know, a second half double double comes in in the third quarter on Friday. Uh, just a huge impact. Whatever he had, like six points, five rebounds, and I think like a rebound, an assist, a steal and plus 16 in the third quarter, like half playing like a few minutes of the third quarter on Friday. I mean, he, him coming into the game was really the turning point for that, that Kings-Bucks game, which, you know, again, looked like a comfortable win. But, you know, the Kings took the lead in that third quarter, and it was Sterling, you know, kind of, a, all right, let's see if this works type move by Bud. It absolutely did. And he was everywhere. 
was hitting those corner threes, uh, getting after it on the glass and making plays. And, and obviously that's something that uh, we know Sterling can do, but um, it's encouraging to see him do that. You know, I mean, that was one of our questions that in the first week of the season, remember Dante and Sterling not playing. Hey, one of these guys is going to get a chance. Obviously Dante has been the guy who has really seized the opportunity and has deservedly kind of been, you know, just a, a entrenched part of the rotation, starting a number of games with, with various guys out. Uh, Sterling has not had that same, that same fortune. And again, I, I, you know, Pat Connaughton is, is Pat back, back below 30% from three. It seems like he's been missing threes left and right. Uh, you know, Wes Matthews had a really poor shooting weekend. Um, he's, Pretty, he struggled pretty pretty mightily since coming back from that injury. Mm-hmm. Has had, I think, maybe like one game where he hit four threes. But for the most part, Wes has, you know, really struggled offensively as far as finding his shot. Uh, and so it's it's kind of those things like I, uh, you know, I was joking with someone, you know, I think I think Marcus might have used the phrase shoot or shoot on Friday talking about Pat Connaughton. And I think the addendum would be shoot or shoot also Pat Connaughton shoots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you know, hey, I, I like Pat Connaughton, but – um, Can we call him know, a shooter? You know, well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not calling Pat. He he shoots, um, but I think <laughs> calling him a shooter at this point, after two years of you know well below average three point accuracy, like eh, you know, I'm not not sure. I, I'm I'm comfortable doing that. So um, I don't know. It's sort of one of those things. We're now at the halfway mark of the season, um, and I, I think again we've talked about it. Uh, I, you know, you hope that here in the second half of the season, just you know, given how well the Bucks have been playing. Um, you know, again, like, I don't know, it's, it's some, some of the, you just, you just hope that there isn't like a short leash on a guy like Sterling or, uh, or an extra long leash on a guy like, you know, Urson or Pat or whatever, just because I don't think talent wise, there's really much, you know, there's really much difference between these guys and they do bring different things. You know, DJ and Urson are probably the, the biggest example of like, they're just very different players, especially defensively. And, um, you know, just at some point, you got to figure out kind of what you have, I think, uh, as far as, you know, can, who's going to be able to maybe play some sort of role in the playoffs. Um, but uh, again, um, you know, I think the net net, even with some of these role players struggling and maybe not deserving the minutes that they've gotten, um, you know, the overall answer is, well, that's okay. The Bucks are have enough depth that, you know, even if multiple guys in their rotation are, are struggling, even Giannis on Friday, they've got all these guys who can any given night step up and, you know, really, really play at a high level. And obviously Chris and Bled playing at that level is especially encouraging because they're the, you know, the number two, three guys, um, you know, and Brooke Lopez has been quiet, but again, you don't notice it as much when, when these other guys are, are kind of filling in the gaps and obviously Dante and Sterling on Friday, obviously uh, always good to see just these guys be able to step up and play at a high level and, you know, <laughs> you know this road trip you mentioned it you know they're one and one going into a back-to-back and i you know my in my mind i'm kind of thinking eh, you know i don't know maybe two and two i mean that's not not really like a necessarily like a bad result after given given you lost the first the first game on the trip and it's kind of weird to say that just given how good the bucks have been but you know they kind of remind you in that weekend you know uh, i had some bobbles but you know final result 20 plus point wins on the road uh, on both ends of a back-to-back i mean Again, this is just the infrastructure of a team that just, you know, knows how to win, knows who they are. And, um, you know, even if you don't know exactly who's going to do it every night, uh, the, the end result is, is uh, enjoyably similar. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you talk about it all the time, Frank. Is it's the system, and and I I, I pointed to this a couple of days ago. The fact that uh, so far this calendar year, and it's only been a few games that the Bucks have really been struggling from three. Uh, you know, fortunately, with with the help of a, a four for four night uh, from Chris and three for five from Bledsoe last night, they're actually able to shoot thirty six from three with thirty six percent from three, which is more uh, encouraging because they'd been below. In fact, they ranked dead last in the in the league for three point percentage since the turn of the year. They're also ranked just nineteenth in in points in in the paint as well. Uh, it, better night last night, forty six points in the paint against Portland. Still not. Uh, where their their average is on the season up over over fifty. Uh, well, last time I checked, it was over fifty. So uh, they still just win, and and part of that is the pace they play at. They give themselves opportunity to score. They still were averaging one hundred and fourteen uh, points a night in, in those games. Most of the time, they've just got enough firepower that some of these guys they run so deep, and one or two of them or three of them are going to get going, and they're going to figure out a way to beat you. I actually had. Uh, a bunch of other stuff and fortunately like i said the bucks don't play uh, again until tuesday night so there's there's still a lot to talk through as you said some of the the lineups that we went went through we didn't even mention chris Middleton playing uh essentially center <laughs> the other night in some of those weird lineups uh, against the kings i don't know if you want to say he was playing center but anyway he was the tallest tallest player on the floor but yeah uh they just keep winning and it's remarkable how odd the thought of a Bucks loss has become 35 and six at the halfway mark is, is clearly uh, a pretty uh, good spot to be. And I think there is um, some prior trauma that is affecting Bucks fans because there's still a lot of concern, a lot of, uh, I don't say a lot of negativity, but some, some, you know, question marks over this team, considering how dominant they've been. Uh, sometimes you just got to sit back and enjoy how well they're playing because, uh, it's 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 an incredible ride at the moment. Uh, half the regular season is gone. Uh, Thirty five wins is a pretty good spot to be. But I gotta I gotta get out of here, Frank. What is it? Forty minutes until kickoff of the Texans here. I gotta I gotta put my JJ Watt shirt on. You gotta and, cram some Fosters. And... I'm not. Uh, you know what? I drank Fosters once. This is probably not the the time for it now. But I, I drank Fosters once, uh, and it was in Milwaukee last year actually. And uh, I'm blaming that. I'm not blaming like the other 15 beers I had in a day. I'm blaming the one Fosters for my hangover that was the worst hangover I had in my whole time in Wisconsin. So don't drink Fosters, people. That's what, my recommendation. What is what is a uh, is there an analog in Australia where like there's a beer that markets itself as like an Amer like the American mm. beer, but in America it's not really that popular. Is there an analog for that? I mean, I, really. I assume you can get like Budweiser and. And yeah, stuff in, in in Australia, but obviously that's huge here too. Yeah, like Bud, but like, but it's you know that actually is something that people drink, so it's not really the same. Um, the biggest one is, and I didn't I didn't even know if people drink it here, but the big thing is like, and I don't know, well, I don't drink it, but people are really like into Canadian Club back home, which of course people in Canada, well, certainly my Canadian friends are like, no one drinks that, but they market that like it is the the drink of Canada. Um, so that's maybe like similar because absolutely no one drinks Fosters. It just, I think everyone's aware of that, but in case they weren't, yeah, no one, no one drinks Fosters. It's, it's not. But can thing. you, can you, like if I go to a random restaurant in Australia? Oh no, no. You can't get, you can't get Fosters. No, I mean, you can go to like a, a, a liquor store and you, you, you could probably find it. It would have to be a, um, like you're not going to go to any small liquor store. Like you won't find Fosters. Like you have to go to a, to a, a pretty mainstream 
uh, big place and you might be able to find some Fosters, like some dusty old cases of Fosters in the corner somewhere that you can, you can probably get like uh, 30 beers for 10 bucks or something like that because uh, they actually expired a decade ago. Uh, I think like you, you could probably get that. So, so basically the net net is Australia just essentially, or sorry, Fosters just conned us, uh, conned Americans into thinking that it yeah. was the quintessential Australian beer. And um, I, I will say this, I feel like Australia is just general is generally like as a country, as a country, as a culture is, I would say appreciated in America. Like there's kind of like that. Yeah. It's like they speak English, but it's kind of exotic and fun and interesting. Um, you know, the toilets go the other direction. <laughs> I mean, who, who can't get excited about that? Uh, all right. So I feel like our Australian minute, um, we can, we can maybe wrap up on that, but again, we did this at the end. So, if you're still listening, we apologize, but you know, you could have, you could have just clicked next or whatever. So don't, they might've moved don't, on. Don't, don't hate us for it. Yeah. But lockdown bucks, Australian for podcasts, much like Foster's, <laughs> much, much, much like Foster's, but all right, that's, I, I should have just like left it on that and quit it, but we are going to, we're going to leave it there. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, the bucks Tuesday night, uh, at home uh, against the Knicks, but, uh, another successful road trip three and one out West. They come home. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.